Chapter Forty Two of A Short History of the World by H. G. Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Forty Two: The Dynasties of Sui and Tang in China. Throughout the fifth, sixth, and seventh and eighth centuries, there was a steady drift of Mongolian peoples westward. The Huns of Attila were merely precursors of this advance, which led at last to the establishment of Mongolian peoples in Finland, Estonia, Hungary, and Bulgaria, where their descendants, speaking languages akin to Turkish, survive to this day. The Mongolian nomads were, in fact, playing a role towards the Aryanized civilizations of Europe and Persia and India that the Aryans had played to the Aegean and Semitic civilizations ten or fifteen centuries before. In Central Asia, the Turkish peoples had taken root in what is now western Turkestan, and Persia already employed many Turkish officials and Turkish mercenaries. The Parthians had gone out of history, absorbed into the general population of Persia. There were no more Aryan nomads in the history of Central Asia. Mongolian people had replaced them. The Turks became masters of Asia from China to the Caspian. The same great pestilence at the end of the second century A.D. that had shattered the Roman Empire had overthrown the Han dynasty in China. Then came a period of division and of Hunnish conquests, from which China arose refreshed, more rapidly and more completely than Europe was destined to do. Before the end of the sixth century, China was reunited under the Soi dynasty, and this, by the time of Heraclius, gave place to the Tang dynasty, whose reign marks another great period of prosperity for China. Throughout the 7th, 8th, and ninth centuries, China was the most secure and civilized country in the world. The Han dynasty had extended her boundaries in the north. The Sui and Tang dynasties now spread her civilization to the south, and China began to assume the proportions she has today. In Central Asia, indeed, she reached much further, extending at last, through tributary Turkish tribes, to Persia and the Caspian Sea. The new China that had arisen was a very different land from the old China of the Hans. A new and more vigorous literary school appeared. There was a great poetic revival. Buddhism had revolutionized philosophical and religious thought. There were great advances in artistic work in technical skill, and in all the amenities of life. Tea was first used, paper manufactured, and woodblock printing began. Millions of people indeed were leading orderly, graceful, and kindly lives in China during these centuries, when the attenuated populations of Europe and Western Asia were living either in hovels, small walled cities, or grim robber fortresses. While the mind of the West was black, with theological obsessions, the mind of China was open and tolerant and inquiring. One of the earliest monarchs of the Tang dynasty was Tai Tsung, who began to reign in 627, the year of the victory of Heraclius at Nineveh. He received an embassy from Heraclius, who was probably seeking an ally in the rear of Persia. From Persia itself came a party of Christian missionaries, 635. They were allowed to explain their creed to Tai Tsung, and he examined a Chinese translation of their scriptures. 
he pronounced this strange religion acceptable, and gave permission to the foundation of a church and monastery. To this monarch also, in 628, came messengers from Muhammad. They came to Canton on a trading ship. They had sailed the whole way from Arabia along the Indian coasts. Unlike Heraclius and Kabad, Tetsung gave these envoys a courteous hearing. He expressed his interest in their theological ideas and assisted them to build a mosque in Canton, a mosque which survives, it is said to this day, the oldest mosque in the world. End of chapter 42